And I want to tell you that, that I don't take it for granted to, to be able to, to call myself a Christian, let alone be a, a, a preacher, a minister of the gospel. I, I'm just glad to know that I'm saved. I'm glad to know that I was raised to know about Jesus Christ. I am. Man, we can talk about all the other things in the Bible, but I'm glad that I was privileged to be raised in a home where Jesus was the main focal point. And I just thank God for that. I, I, I know so many people, well, I mean, you know people here naturally, but I, I think about people all over the place that, that you can say Jesus and they don't know what you're talking about. But I, but I, I, I do. I just, I'm taking a minute to glorify God, y'all. Because I could be dead or I could be lost. I could be out here wondering if another drink would make me feel better. But praise God, Jesus saved me and I'm alive today. Hallelujah. I'm saved. I'm saved. The old song says, I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved. God bless all of you online. We, we're, we're glad to have you with us. Whatever way we can get to people, we want to get to them. For a few weeks, we've been talking about our family, and we are still talking about our family, but today, we're actually talking about not my family, but my church family. And the reason we started off talking about our family, our personal, our individual families at, at home, beginning at home, is because there's no way to bluff or trick God or His Spirit if, if it's all dysfunctional and it, it, it's all disarray, and I don't mean you, you got to fold clothes. I don't mean that, or the toilet didn't get cleaned up. I mean, it's hard to bluff God into to not having a home that's a sanctuary and then coming in here, or, or, or any church anywhere, walking into a house of God and just like, man, I mean, smearing it on like it's, you know... Oh, it's all good, and, and, and I'm here to tell you I'm ready to, I, I've got my praise, I've I got my praise shoes on. No, God's not, He's not bluffed by that. In fact, my commitment, my worship, my attention, and my love and devotion for God should not, it, it, it should not fluctuate between my house or His house or, or going to your house or uh, the, 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 the market house. It shouldn't fluctuate. But I... I want to begin by telling you, so, because we have been talking about things we need to really pay attention to at home and, you know, get our house in order. And if our home is not a sanctuary, if we don't enjoy our home in the sense that this is where, this is where God dwells and God's welcome because we always take care of God, then, then we want to give a lot of attention to that. And we want it to be reflected in everything we do. And so today as we, we start talking about my church family, I want to tell you that your church family or, or God's family is also God's army. Is everybody understanding that pretty good? I mean, you understand. We, we, we have a... We have a, a, at least two terms I, I want to bring out right now that God refers to us 
corporately as, as his family, but he also refers to us as his army, his army. And I'll tell you right now, before I read or say another word, the army of God will never be any stronger than the family of God. So you can't be a fighter out there in the world if you hadn't, if you hadn't settled the score with your flesh and become a fighter inside the four walls with the rest of your family. Now, a genuine church family, by the way, this is not the same thing uh, as people that attend a local fellowship gathering every weekend. I I want you to understand, first of all, that a genuine church family first understands that, that Jesus, and only Jesus, is what makes us members of the same family. Nothing else. It's not saying that I'm going to keep a bunch of rules or I'm going to give to the church or I'm going to do this or do that. I'm, I'm going to go and never met. All that's great. And people will do those things, but I'm telling you this. You need to understand that it's only Jesus that connects you and I together. I mean truly. And Jesus, when I say Jesus, I mean His cross. I don't mean just us using His name in a religious setting or to identify us, I'm telling you Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I got to walk down a, another road right quick that I go on occasionally because I want everybody to understand this because if you don't understand this, it does no good for you to try to take in anything else. And what I want you to understand is when I say Jesus and I say the cross, that means that you not only are very much aware but you are familiar with the cross and the name of Jesus so much that you have embraced it, you have fallen down at the base of, at the foot of the cross, and you said, Jesus, I realize that I am in, I'm in dire needs of a Savior, and you are the only Savior, you are the only way, and without the remission of sins and you forgiving me and blotting out my transgressions, there is no way I can have a relationship with you and the Father or make heaven my home. There is no other way, church. I don't care, the Bible, Paul said, I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care if you give all your money away. I don't care if you uh, feed people. He, he goes, 1 Corinthians 13, you can do it all. And he's talking about love, and I've referenced this before recently. But you've got to love Jesus first of all, or nothing else you do will ever matter. Don't care what you do, how much you have, or how good you are at the church thing. It won't get you anywhere. It really won't. You've got to know Jesus, hallelujah, in a way that you have went to that cross and you consume him every day of your life. In fact, you can't imagine living not one hour without Jesus Christ being first and Lord of your life. That's the only way you ever live in victory, by the way. Your definition through your flesh of telling you you're better now or you're good or you don't do this anymore. That's the old man. That won't get you far at all, friend, because the devil knows when you are for real and when you are just joking around. So it's got to be all Jesus. So I wanted to give you that definition. And, and I'll just say this 
A lot of preachers are scared to say this, but I want you to live victorious now and I want you to live eternally there. I want you to. There's a lot of people afraid, especially if you were raised the way I was raised, and this is not where I'm going, but I need to say this. Somebody was asking me the other day about eternal security and all that. I said, I have no problem at all. I said, I know for a fact that I personally am eternally secure. And that's not because I'm a preacher or because I went to Bible college or I went to youth camp or I used to do kids' crusades. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's because I have made the trip to the cross and I want Jesus more than I want my next breath. Do you hear me? And it's what he's done for me. And because he has loved me at that level, my flesh has no choice but to respond to that for the rest of my life. See, when you start going down this road right here, people just start checking you out, start trying to process it and see if it's all going to fit in with where you are. It won't fit in with where you are if you are not right there. You've got to only lean on Jesus for all of your life, but you have to lean on him all the time, every day, or you're not going to find your way home, friend, and I will say that without holding back. There's a way that seems right unto man. There is a form of godliness. There's a straight and narrow way, and it's, it, it, it's, the Lord didn't make it difficult. But he demands that you love him with all. Can you say amen to that? And all is just that. It's all. So I know where I'm going. I don't, I don't pray. A lot of people, I don't say I hope I make it in. If I fall asleep tonight, Lord, I, I, I hope, I, 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 hoping, oh my word, I, I hope my water don't leak while I'm gone. But I don't hope about that, you see. That's what settled 2,000 years ago. I've accepted that. I live according to that. And that's the end of the story. That's one thing. I don't have to worry about the devil haunting me over every day. I pray. I need forgiveness. There's things when I'm, uh, that I do that I'm not Christ-like. And I said all this that I didn't even think I was going to say today because I want you to understand what I just told you is what a true church family member consists of. Just because you frequent church doesn't make you a part of the family of God. It, it, it makes you an attender of a local fellowship. I don't want you to leave confused. I want you to know what the family of God, because there's some good stuff that, has to, that goes on with the family of God, and we're going to look at that. So, the Bible says in Matthew 12... Let's look at two scriptures. Jesus said this. He made it very easy. He said, Whosoever, now that right there, see, I'm telling you, it's easy. It's not hard to love Jesus. It's not hard to get a hold of. For whosoever, <laughs> he just tells you right up front, whosoever, does the will of my Father in heaven. And then he says, this is what my family looks like. Whoever does the will, anybody that just does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's saying, if you do the will of my Father, now 
You could talk about that a long time, but I'm going to tell you what the will of the Father is above everything. And I didn't come up with it. Jesus said, but if you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that there will never be a greater will of God than that. There's other things God instructs us to do, how to live, how to walk, and how to treat one another, but there will never be anything above that. In fact, he said everything else falls. And he said, by the way, and love your neighbor like you love your, your you, your flesh. So if you do the will of the Father in heaven, and a lot of people sadly have the discipline, and it sounds like I can't get off of this, but I can't right now. We have a good discipline of going to church or being taken to church, but we never, ever, we, 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 you know, the way of the master talks about true and false conversions. A lot of people have Christian disciplines without ha having ever truly met Christ Jesus. And I like to reference it to a wedding or a marriage. When, you, when, you, when a man marries a woman, when they are really married and they're in love with each other, they don't have to go around in public showing their marriage certificate. You, you know what identifies them as a married couple? Their relationship. They don't have to post it on Facebook. They don't, by the way, Jesus is, uh, she's still my wife. He's still my... They don't have to do that. We see you out eating together. We see you shopping together. You go on vacation together. You raise children together. You do things. That is what a relationship looks like. It's no less than that with Jesus Christ. You eat with him. You sleep with him. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me. He tells me that I'm his own. It's called a relationship. If you are in a relationship, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're my mother. Paul said in the second chapter of Ephesians, he said this. He said, therefore, you are... No longer strangers and foreigners, but you are actually fellow citizens with the saints and members, check it out, members of God's household. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're not outside anymore. The Lord doesn't say, you can just be on my team or you can just be part of my organization. He says, no, you are of my household. You, you are actually my family. And, and I make it personal. He said, brothers, sisters, mothers. You can't get any tighter than that, folks. That's what the Lord says. You see, in the, uh, you don't have these scriptures, but I'm going to tell you something. Over in the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Acts, after Stephen was stoned, some of the family of God was scattered. But let me tell you about the, and this is another indicator, about the real, true family of God. Just because their bodies were scattered, uh, you know, here and there, because they were being attacked, their loyalty never scattered, their faithfulness and their desire to fulfill what God had left them to do never wavered just because their location was different at all. In fact, the Bible says, if you read on about that, 
in the 11th chapter, the hand of the Lord. If, if you want to write it down, you can. In the 11th chapter, verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them even after they were scattered and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. I'll go ahead and read verse 22. And then the news of these things came to the ears of the church. All right? I want you to get that because this is, this is important. Then all of that, what God was doing, even when people were scattered, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and this is how the church responded to that news. They sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And, you know, when this happened, more people were added. That's what verse 24 says, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many of the people of the, were added to the Lord then. So what I'm going to tell you right now before I read Another scripture, the real family of God will never stop. That's deep, wasn't it? I, I know that's profound. The family of God, it doesn't matter what comes along, the family of God will go on. I don't care if they threaten your life like Herod was doing to the church. It doesn't matter if you just witness one of your fellow brothers or sisters in the faith be stoned even though it sends you somewhere else. The devil needs to know. You might have killed him, but the message is going to go on and my family that I'm a part of, we're going to keep doing because what happens on the outside will never be able to affect what God has done for you on the inside unless you're not in the family. Now let's go to verse, chapter 12. And you can turn there if you want to. So when all this was going on, the Bible says now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And because he, Herod, saw that it pleased the Jews, you know what he did? He was a people pleaser. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. Talking about Peter, he put him in prison because he saw that that gained him some more votes with the people. So he said, well, let's keep doing this. And he delivered him to four squads or squadrons of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. So verse 5 says this, Peter, and I want you to hear what we're about to read. All right? Peter was, therefore, kept in prison. He was. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. God's family, his mothers, his mother, his sisters, his brothers. The family. I didn't say the fellowshippers. I didn't say the people who do it when they can and nothing else is in the way of it. I said the family of God nailed down, buddy, and they began to pray. And they prayed and they continued to pray. And then when they got through doing that, you know what they did next? Prayed more. 
See, you can't pray but so much. You can't pray but so long. Sometimes you have to pray longer than other times. But you won't do it but for so long before God will say, okay, here we go. I've heard it. Things are in place. The timing is right. And I'm going to get ultimate glory. And, and he's going to do it right then. A lot of people don't like that kind of prayer, that kind of prayer life, but that's the kind the Bible teaches us. There, there's instant prayer uh, and instant answers and instant results sometimes. But I, I just want to tell you this, you know, Jesus prayed for the blind man one time. It, it wasn't 100%, folks. And it wasn't because Jesus didn't have enough, uh, you know, mighty man power. I think he was teaching me a lesson and you a lesson. So he prayed for him a second time. Then it was clear. So we know that the Lord teaches us about a process of prayer. And I'm kind of hanging out here for just a moment because I want you to understand this. What I'm telling you right now is harder than giving money, than cooking food, than dressing up and coming, sharing uh, service. What I'm telling you right now is the hardest thing you will do in your Christian walk, and it's called pray. But we've got to learn to pray. And we've got to learn how to pray fervently. We've also got to learn how to pray right now. Because you see, in the prison of this world and this day we're living in, Peter was in that prison because he preached the gospel. But we've got people in our church family who are in prisons of depression like we just heard them singing. They're in a prison of their mind. They're in a prison of sickness. They're in a prison of grief. They're in a prison of financial difficulty. They're in a prison of decision-making. They're in a prison of can't move on past their past. They're in all kinds of prisons, you see. And the church still has the access, and we've still got the power to pray people out of prisons today, right now, if we'll only do it. And I want to tell you something that's not really a good thing to hear on a Sunday morning. But at some moment, you're going to find yourself in a prison. You can wake up on Monday and every bill in your life is paid. And your health has never been better. Your family seems like it's rock solid and everything's paid off. You know what you're going to do. You just had the best church service the day before. And then on Tuesday morning, everything I just said could be flipped upside down. Everything. Or one thing like I was a part of this week. I, don't, I did not have a lengthy message or part, but I don't know how to explain to anybody how to stand behind the pulpit right here with a four-year-old body laying in front of you in a Batman casket like I did on Friday, three hours away in the mountains. Knowing you got a two-year-old grandson and a granddaughter on the way because that's what consumed me the whole time. 
You see, you don't have to have money problems to be in a prison of grief. You don't don't have to have personal health problems. You don't even have to have relationship problems in your family to be in a prison. You don't. I can go down the list. I can start with Robin Williams, the comedian. uh, Kate Spade, the pocketbook man. We can go down. See, money don't solve the problems of this life, friend. Jesus solves the problems. And I can tell you this. There's a long list of people who had money, they had properties, they had possessions, they had fame, fortune, they had everything, but there was still a void in there that none of that, they were prisoners to something that Satan knew worked on them, and so he rode that like a stallion until he was able to finally kill, steal, and destroy. And so we've got all kinds of people. And this past Friday... God reminded me again through a church that jumped in about three weeks prior to this child's death, just jumped in and was the church family to a family and loved on them and helped them. I'll talk more about this Wednesday night, but I'm telling you folks, the world will hang with you until you rub it wrong. If you live for Jesus and you really are a part of his family, not fellowships, but his family, you're going to rub the world wrong if you do what the Bible says. You're going to rub them wrong and you got to prepare for that. So we got all kinds of people, people that's caring for family members, people that are caring. I I mean, I don't even know because... We have a variety. I don't, I don't even want to start trying to give you examples in this church. But since we started the family series, man, you're talking about some prisons that people have just cried over and privately uh, and, and some publicly either sharing requests. I'm telling you, the family of God, the family of God has got a lot to pray about. And I'm also telling you this, that it's very possible that in the next, and I know what I'm saying, and I'm not backing up a bit with what I'm telling you. Over the next three to six months, the family of God really needs to be tighter than it's and needs to be more in prayer than we've ever been before because it's very, very likely that we're going to see things change like we've never seen before. See, all the news watchers need to understand the half a year ago prediction about the great decline and all that, and it seems like a little bit normal, and the sun's coming out, and we can start doing all these other things, and I'm not telling you not to do them. But don't you be bluffed by the world because this is just a temporary smoke screen before what's about to be unveiled. And I know the Jesus I serve could call his bride away today or five months from now, three months from now, or 50 years from now. But we've got to understand that the family of God, just because they were scattered, they still kept the mission, the main focus, even if their body was displaced in this county or this country or 
conquered this region or this nation, they still were faithful to God and they prayed for one another and they did what Jesus had saved them and kept them and commanded them to do. And that's the mindset you and I have got to click into. You got to. You see, only a praying church could get Peter out of what he was in. You had a a bloodthirsty Herod. Did you hear me? A bloodthirsty. He had already killed one, and he saw that it gained him a lot of favor with people. And blood didn't mean anything to him. Of course, I'm sure he didn't want his spilled, but his life was short-lived if you read the rest of that chapter. But I'm telling you today, Peter was locked up in a prison. And people in this church need to understand, because you're not in the prison yet, or you haven't been notified that your child is in a prison that you don't know about yet, or your spouse, or your future is about to be in a prison that you thought you would never, ever see, or it never could happen, I'm telling you this. The devil will do all he can not only to put you in a prison, but he'll assign every demon he can, four squadrons, four legions, it don't matter, to try to safeguard and keep you there and keep you locked in, keep you depressed and keep you down and keep you where he could just finish you off. But if there is a praying Family located at 15301. We can pray anybody out of anything to God be the glory. And we've got to get there. That's, that's where we've got to get. We've got to get to a place where we understand, yeah, I'm running late for work, but Wanda might be in a prison this morning. Charlie and Angela might be in a prison. Beck and Kevin might, might not have a good breathing day today. I am being, I, I, I don't care if I'm getting in people's face. I want you to, I can't believe you're calling people's names. You better believe I'm calling people's names out because you don't know what you're about to face. You don't know what's ahead of us. And my job is not to make people happy or make people mad. My job is to be a shepherd that prepares people. I'm doing the best I can. I'm following God. Even when people say they don't want nothing else to do with me or the church anymore, I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to tell you what you need to know so that we can crawl together and we can go into the kingdom of God forever. And it's not pretty. We've got people in here. I know Britt's here. I see other ones. Billy's here. Different ones that served and, 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 and was in warfare. They'll tell you if you talk to them, and there's probably others, but I can't see. But let me tell you something. They'll tell you that when you go and you are in the enemy's territory, your mind can't be on... I wonder how good the funnel cakes are at Myrtle Beach today. When you are in warfare, you're always looking out because you don't know if there's a landmine right there. You don't know if the enemy was able to penetrate your boundary and, and come on and, and just blow everybody up. You don't know that, you see. So they trained for these things. And when they trained for them, Whoever's doing the training, if they're Camp McCall, we got all kind of ranger training and stuff that goes on all over the place. And listen, 
when these men are training other men and women, they don't, they don't try to say, well, I hope they don't get offended. They don't want them to get blown up when they're in Saudi Arabia, folks. And I'm telling you, we can act like we're pretty cool with the devil now because we're not too involved in church and he ain't going to get too mad at me. Oh, wrong on that one because God made you and breathed life into you. He hates you and he will never do anything but hate you. So you got to take it serious. And if I don't take it serious, it's just not good for me. It's not good for me. I remember a long time ago, I don't know, it was in the mid-80s that <clears throat> me and my brother-in-law and a friend of ours, Steve, we were at Boy Scout camp. We, we, we just went for the day. It was on a Sunday. I remember it. <clears throat> or we came home. It's in Albemarle. And <clears throat> we'd always go by Baden Lake and... Steve wanted to stop and take a dip. My brother-in-law says, no, I don't feel like it. I'm just going to sit here and watch. Go on and get in. And so, and I know uh, Mackie and, and, and Joy both know, know Steve that I'm referring to. And I wasn't going to get in, but I finally did. And so me and Steve were out there um, swimming, messing around. Well, God reminded me of this this week, folks. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this in decades, I believe. But Steve was out there, and all of a sudden, Steve got a cramp in, in his leg. He got a cramp, and he, he started, like, waving and going down. But I was in the water, but I was far as from here, probably to the back of the church from him. My brother-in-law was on the, uh, the bank, I thought he was joking, just trying to get him to come in. My brother-in-law thought he was joking until the last time he went down and he didn't come back up. My brother-in-law just, I, it, it was God, but he just like dove with his clothes in and he went and got him. Now, I want you to listen to this because when he got to him, he was greasy. Steve was, he had suntan lotion on. And when my brother-in-law got to him to try to help him, his natural instinct was to start fighting him. He was panicking, you see. He, was fight he, he didn't mean to fight, and he wasn't fighting because he was mad. But that's what happened when he was in a panicked state of mind. And so my brother-in-law finally got him and turned him around and... Uh, was able to get him, relax, and, and I couldn't got to him because by the time I got to him, I was out of breath because I had to swim so far. I, he could have killed me. But the Lord reminded me of that situation. He said, because that's the way your job is sometimes, and that's the way my family experiences things sometimes. See, when you're trying to do things to help people out, they may not understand that they're going down and, and, and they got a cramp. You got something going on, not trying to judge you, or not, but you just got some stuff going on and it's taking you under. And when you try to help them out, sometimes they fight back, they get mad at you, and, and they misinterpret what you're really trying to do. And so 
they'll start swinging and fighting you. But they'll start doing it with this too. Does anybody hear a word I'm saying right now? I, I, I mean, I didn't come here. I mean, I, I've gone through an emotional roller coaster this week. And I'm, I'm afraid that if we don't learn to pray, be a praying church, and I don't mean that you come in here and you just watch slides while I praise me. I mean you fall on your face and you go before the throne and you say, God, I don't know what's going on with everybody in my family, my church family, but I lay them before you. Or maybe I do know Wanda has a situation she shared with me. Or maybe I do know Charlie and Angela or Mike or whoever else's name I could call. Maybe I do know this. And God, I lay them before you because I am told to bear one another's burdens. And God, and I want them to have freedom. I want to pray. And I'm not just getting through this lightly. I want the change to break. I don't I don't care how many demons Satan has put around them. I'm praying, Lord, and I'm not stopping until the gate opens and they walk out and we can rejoice in your name forever. Before we pray, one of the reasons it's about to go south, so I'm going to tell you that, all right? Hey, cut the lights on for me if you don't mind. I just want to see how far south it goes. But a lot of times, we can't pray for our family members, church family members, because we've got issues with one another. We've got issues with one another. Some of you can say amen. Some of you can just gloat. Some of you can wonder what I'm saying or who I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. Yes, I am. I'm talking about me. And I'm going to tell you something God told me this morning. Avoidance is not the same as unforgiveness. Just because you avoid somebody in multitudes, we'll talk about this family, doesn't mean that bitterness does not lie at the door. Doesn't mean that resentment, doesn't mean that age-old hurt is not still alive and kicking, friend. See, you can avoid people, but you can't run from the Spirit of God. You can go to heaven, you can go down to hell, to the bottom of the sea, but you can't get away from the Spirit of God. And we can't pray for each other. And I'm telling you, I want God to help me right now. You cannot pray for people. I don't know a lot about cars, planes, and trains, and anything else. I don't claim to know. But the Bible says you are to know the condition of your flock. And I know when people are full of hypocrisy and people play the game, and we've got widespread bitterness and resentment in this church. We don't like the way people look. We don't like the way people sing. We don't like what people did. We don't like what they chose to do. We don't like, 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 we don't like. I wished, I wished, I wished. And God will not honor 
anything your lips utters in the form of a prayer if we've got that lying at the door. And see, here's the deal. I'm really finishing, but here is what's at stake. You don't know how long your family members are going to stay incarcerated before whatever it is kills them or takes them out or they completely run and don't want to have anything else to do with God, the church, you, or even life itself. You see, I'm dealing with a lot of things as the pastor, and I cannot divulge confidential information that people give me, but we, were, we are dealing with everything from marriages to suicide to drugs to people that want to give up on their families, people want to give up on God. You name it, it's come into this house, and the only thing I can do about it is ask you to let's come together and let's pray about it. I, I, I want you to stand. I, I really do. Because you said it last week, but I want you to say it right now. My church family needs me right now. Say that with me. My church family needs me right now. You see, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm getting into a little bit of Wednesday night, but it, it don't matter if I say it two times. I don't struggle at all. If we had a need, somebody's house was burned, somebody lost a loved one, that if we just put the information out there, COVID or no COVID, if we needed food, if we needed money, if we needed help at somebody's yard or house, people would show up and show out and we, we would be proud and God would be proud. But folks, I'm telling you, all of that can go on while there's still an underlying problem that needs to be prayed out of people. You see, because where we are going, the devil don't care how many yards you clean or how many meals you cook or how much money you give. He just don't want you to be able to touch glory and get people out of a prison that he thinks he's got locked down for the rest of their life. So... This is what I want. I want to tell you that God's given us an opportunity. And I say us, I mean me. He's given me an opportunity to do what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And that is to pray without ceasing. Now the Holy Ghost just spoke to me and told me what I'm about to say. I was going to say Wednesday. But anybody that just wants to come pray tomorrow night, I want you to come meet me at 6.30. I'm not sending a message out. Sometime or another, the things of God has got to be important enough for you to remember without being reminded. Amen? Amen. So, don't worry about singing, playing, checking people in. We're coming to pray. We're coming to pray. That's all we're going to do. We're going to pray. No offering, no, no, no. We're coming to pray. I don't want to get sick. Well, you better stay at home then. Because the devil's going to infect your rump. You, you, you better stay at home. And it ain't going to be with COVID or the flu. or he, he, You're going to get sick. 
but you're going to get with something, sick, something worse than a virus or a pandemic. You, you're going to get sick with lethargy and laziness and a callous heart. That's what you're going to get infected with. And you're going to die with unresolved bitterness. And you're not going to be able to pray even a child out of a sassy mouth, let alone somebody that the devil is about to execute. So God has saved and spared us for this day so that my church family, when we call on one another, hey, let's pray, we've got a need over here, they might lose everything they have, that all of a sudden what Satan meant for evil, everything that the enemy was going to take, God doubles it and tenfolds it and he puts it back in a way that it embarrasses all of him. That's the kind of praying we want to do. Or when the doctor says, there's nothing else. You're stepping out on a limb. No, I'm not. I'm stepping out on the word of God that when the doctor says we can't do anything else and it seems locked up, shut, and well guarded by hell, you just let two or three come together in my name and pray and you watch those chains fall in Jesus' name. I want you to bow your head. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray not for anything but for ourselves. I want you to just to pray. I'm going to do something. I know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because you see, I'm just of the mindset, I, I don't have long to live on this earth. I do. My family panics when I say that, but, but I know my days are numbered. But if you want God, even if it's something that, that don't come to your mind, but if you want God to help you with anything, bitterness, resentment, uh, old hurt, that may be hindering a true, genuine prayer life, I want you, not as a family now, but I want you to come find you an individual spot away from people, from here to those columns to over there at that baptistry or in the aisle. Just stay away from people. And there might not be that many people. We might not even need that much room. But right now, in the name of Jesus, anybody, and God, the Holy Ghost is dealing with you. It ain't me. I don't know why anybody's moving but me. I just, I, I just got it. Nobody knows about it, but every now and then, when I hear their name or I think about, I have a reminder, the hair stands up on my neck and it, it's all over again. And while people are coming, I just want to be clear about this. This doesn't mean that people, this doesn't mean that people are off the hook or you're wrong. The Lord's always going to deal. He, he, hey, he's always going to handle the vengeance thing. I will give you Lord God, we come to this altar individually. Lord, and I need you to search me. God, it doesn't matter. It may not be resentment. Or hurt, but God, if there's anything in my life that would hinder me getting with other family members and pre church family members 
and praying about a prison situation. God, would you reveal that to me? I repent of it right now. I no longer want to know you by name only. I want to be in a visible relationship with you every day. Lord, you, you know when sin lieth at the door. And God, sin interrupts fervent prayer. So God, we are available right now. Forgive me, Lord, and wash me and cleanse me. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready for two or three or 103 to come together. And Lord, whatever the need is, this mighty army called your family can pray and it all can change in seconds, Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We, we lay it, God. And while you have your eyes closed, the Lord's about to, he's about to upsize this prayer. You need to go to him. I don't care. And it might not be somebody in church, but you need to go to him. If it's one or if it's ten, and you need to say, listen, I'm growing closer to the Lord, and I'm working on my prayer life, and I just want you to forgive me. Now, you're going to have, the devil is going to send a detail of angels, I mean, of demons, to try to just cut that off. But it don't matter how far they were scattered. They kept on and the numbers kept increasing. So God, Lord, doesn't matter how much pride I have to swallow, I, I'm in love with you, Jesus. I'm not in love with the church and organization. I, I'm in love with you. And if nobody else does it, Lord, I'm in love with you and I want to do it. That's what you told me to do, Lord. I want to be released so that I can pray. And walls and chains and doors of, of depression, anxiety, relationship issues can, can completely disintegrate, Lord. And if people are sick in their body or little babies, Lord, it doesn't matter what it is. I can get with brothers and sisters and we can pray and something can happen, Lord. So, God, my church family needs me. And, Lord, I want to be there for my church family. I want to not just be there with a covered dish and a rake. That's good, Lord. But I want to be there with needs. And, God, I want you to remind me of this when I'm on my knees at this altar tomorrow night. Anything that I am not checked of right now in the name of Jesus, God, I want you to constantly show me anything that's not Christ-like. Lord, I'm not just trying to be a good Christian. I want to be Christ-like, Lord. If you're not a believer in the building or online, the Bible says all you got to do is just say, Jesus, all you've been trying to do 
I'm that, I'm that man in Baden Lake that's going down. I've been fighting against you. All you've been trying to do is help me and save me. And I, I ask you to forgive me. I, I make the trip to the cross. I'm not just going to take a selfie with it. Oh, Lord, no. I'm going to fall down and hug it and cry and say, Lord, I repent. And I pray, Lord, hallelujah, that redemption, hallelujah, takes place in my life when I call your name, Jesus. I'm ready to be in your family, Lord. And I'm telling you that he will take everything in your life and he will bury it. He won't remember it no more. And I don't care what label you have. I don't care who's treated you any kind of way. God now calls you his own. And just like I talked before, I look, you die tonight, you're in glory. That's the kind of God he is. God, I want to be faithful. We hadn't done that in a long time. But y'all know that song, and it just says how my life song, it, now it's going to change. And we're at the part where they sing hallelujah. I just want to glorify God right now. Hallelujah. Let my life song sing to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my prayer, Lord. Before you leave, this is, this is the last thing I'm going to leave with you right here. And I'm, I'm going to read it just like the Lord spoke this to me. We don't need to spend another minute on talking about saving the community or the world until we get good at praying our own out of prisons they may be in. We don't, we don't need to worry about 30,000 people. We don't need to worry about 30 people. We, we need to be able to bear one another's burdens and pray without ceasing until something happens with our own body, with our own family, with our own church family. And then when we do that, then God says, you're faithful in the small things here at home, you see. He said, now I can, I can release you. And I'm going to tell you something Wednesday night, that when this church family gets together, I know why we didn't sell that property over there. 
And God is about to do a great and mighty thing, and I can say this, that, that y'all don't know of, and I really don't. And so prayer has to be the priority or no plans at all matters, and it won't work. So we're not going to spend any time on anything until we can, we can pray. That's what Jesus did up until he was crucified. He prayed. He chose to pray. He prayed, and then he prayed again, and I told the 915 group this morning, this is how sold out he was. The man that could speak and things would happen. But this is his commitment to the Father. He waited till everybody else went to bed so he could be alone with the Father. And when they woke up, there's no telling how many days Jesus never slept because he spent the previous night praying while everybody else was asleep. No telling. We don't even know that. But we're going to see God move. We're going to see God do something. And then as this family tightens and heightens in prayer, we're going to be able to do something. And as we see things unfolding, it's not going to move us. It's not going to shake us. All we're going to do is we're going to send people out and keep praying and watch God do what he's going to do because that's what he's left us here for, nothing else. So that, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to ask God to let the words of our mouths. And see, I'm looking at you today. Let the words of my mouth. That's where the big prop, that's public enemy number one right there. You know, and this is kind of a redneck way to say it. Not in the Bible, not this way. But if we keep our mouths shut and our knees bent more often, you'd see a lot of stuff get fixed. You'd see a lot of things change. Yeah. And I say it, I'm trying my best for the third year, and I have not got good at it yet, to be swift to hear and slow to speak. That's, that's what I work on all the time. And I lose a lot of times more than I win because of this mess right here. I let stuff bother me, and I, I, I'm getting victory. I'm getting victory. And you, you're going to pray me out of that prison, ain't you? Yes, you are. I don't care if you don't want to. You're going to pray me out of that prison. Because I don't like the devil knowing that he can just throw stuff up. I just, I, you know, I, I, I'm not living in a, um, just a passive world. I'm not. I know stuff is real and all that. But I, I'm just, this is what I'm committed to. I closed the shop. I've quit doing a lot of other things because I, I want to be committed to this and I want all of us to do whatever we can do with him together before the trumpet sounds. If money was all that, I'd still be knocking it out in my backyard. I would. Nobody bothered me. If, if, if having things, I, I'd still be buying things. But they, they don't do nothing. People don't get saved. People don't get added to the church. Uh, bondages don't fall off of people. I could do that. Nobody ever said anything to me about my business. But God, he says, it's time for us because things are getting serious. And so I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Only God knows that. I want them to be acceptable in his sight. And that's what we got to get to because people are going to get, the closer you get to God, this is a slain word, the matter, people around you are going to get at you. 
So let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I want the Lord to bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. I want the Lord to lift up his countenance on you. And I want him to give you peace because, Lord, these are your children. These are your sheep. I'm just in the family. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Anybody that will, let's pray at 6.30 tomorrow night. God bless you, and I'll see you at 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Amen.